0: So, for for a few moments this morning, and and we're not going to be long because if you're a visitor here, on Christmas and Easter, I'm really short-winded. It's amazing, (laughs) really. I picked the two biggest holidays or gatherings, and and that's the shortest time I speak. And I do that for a reason. So, uh, because if I can speak short, then you'll think, hey, that guy speaks short all the time, I'll come back. (laughs) And then you find out that's not really what happens at all. So Luke chapter 24, there are six verses and we're going to read them and then we're going to talk about a couple of things and then we're going to let you go home. Now upon the first day of the week, the very early in the morning, they came into the sepulcher, which was the women, bringing spices which they had prepared and certain others with them, other family members. And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher and they entered in and they found not the body of the Lord Jesus. It's amazing when we stop here, but I want you to know the stone was not rolled away so Jesus could get out. The stone was rolled away so they could get in. Amen. And I always kind of like that in Matthew's gospel it says that the angel is sitting on a stone waiting on them. It's kind of like he's right back, he's got an iPhone going on, and I mean, he's just, it's, it's no big deal to him. And that's what the scripture says. He's just sitting on this rock waiting for them to show up. So the idea that the stone was rolled back, not that so Jesus could get out, it's so that we could get in and verify of his resurrection. That's right. And so uh, the, the dentist asked me right before he knocked me out, they had knocked me out and cut some teeth out, and he said, what are you going to preach on Sunday? And I said, I don't know. I, I'm hoping to get a dream and vision while I'm knocked out. So <laughs> that's what I told him. So verse number four, please. So it came to pass, as they were much perplexed about the thereabout, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. These were angels. And as they were afraid, they bowed down their faces to the earth, and they said unto them, Why seek the living among the dead? So the, th- the thing about it is, it says that he is not here. He is risen. He is not here, but he is risen. Now, the Greek language, if some of you know, I'm not going to go to very technical terms, but when you see the word risen, it's really used twice in the New Testament lexicon. In the first word risen, it means that he, he woke up. The word risen, it means to wake up. But that's not applicable to this risen. This word risen means he went to another dimension. It's one thing for you to wake up, and it's another thing for you to get out of bed and do something productive of the day so when it says that so I, I want to split hairs a little bit this morning now Brenda Jones always posts something and somebody always wants to split hairs I don't want to split hairs on the internet because there's a bunch of goofballs outside this church there's two or three inside this church but, but without splitting hairs of this is that when he says he has risen it's more than he is a, just have, has awakened, he's went to another dimension He's went to another atmosphere. And remember, you've always heard me say this, that the whale lives in one atmosphere, but he has to breathe another. See, we as believers are like the whale. We're forced to live in one atmosphere, but we must breathe another atmospheric breath, the breath of God. So, so the whale has all these buddies and all these fishes, and they're all playing together, And he says, I'll be right back. And they say, where are you going? Because they can breathe underwater. But he said, I can't live and breathe what you breathe. Don't you find yourself that way almost every day of your life? And it's nothing against anybody else, but I'll tell you what, it's it's just the poison and the toxic poisons and all the carbons that's in this life, and it'll suffocate you. But there's nothing like breathing the breath of God. So when it says that he is risen, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here. He has gone somewhere. He's in another dimension, and we know about where he's gone. So I'm not going to split hairs with you when he's crucified on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and I'll tell you, we can split hairs on all of this. But that's not my point this morning. My point to you is, is, is to verify the fact that Jesus, Jesus went to another dimension. And so what I want to talk about for a few moments this morning and, and it's, it's almost like the angel that's sitting on the rock said, ladies and gentlemen, Jesus has left the planet. You know, kind of a nervous deal. He's gone. You're, you're seeking something that's not there. What you're looking for is not here, but he's moved to another dimension. And so what I want to talk to you about for a few moments this morning because we're all family. Are we all family? Yeah. Kind of? I mean, all family has weird uncles, don't we? Weird relatives? Well, you fit right in. So as born-again believers... As born-again believers, and I say the word born-again because that's so important, that where do we go after death? Okay? And should we be afraid to discuss this process and details? Now, the reason why I'm very careful about this is because we have lost some members in this church due to COVID or just due to the process of of whatever. We're not going to blame it on anything. That when Elijah left this world, all the sons of prophets said, I saw a tornado come get him. Whirlwind. And Elisha, that was standing right beside him, and said, This, you saw a whirlwind, but I was close enough to see it wasn't a whirlwind, it was the church of God. So you can call it whatever you want to, you can put a name tag on it, but I'll tell you, for the righteous, nothing takes you out here outside of the escort of God and His angels, period. You're not going to leave it with, without God's permission and God's escort. So it's kind of sensitive. As a matter of fact, I told Brother Neil that, that about a week, this week, we, we buried Sister Mamie. And uh, I, I don't want to be sensitive. I don't want you to be sensitive. Run out of here. But I will tell you, isn't it, it is amazing that we're only here for a short span of time? But, but why should we be afraid of talking about something that we get to spend eternity in? So it's the process and the details about death. And so we're we're not going to be afraid. I'm going to spend the rest of my life in heaven with God, worshiping Him, and hopefully you will too if you accept Christ as your Savior. But this is what the rest of verse 6 says. This is found in Luke 24 in verse 6. It says this. Now upon the first... Let's go to verse 6, please. He is not here but he is risen. What's this. Remember how he spake unto you when he was still in Galilee. He said he told you about him. He, he died. He told you 13 times that he would be crucified, and he told you nine times he would be resurrected. You was not listening. Have you ever told your kids something, and they shot out the door and come back just a little bit... Later says, I forgot what you told me to do. You understand that? It's amazing. We as Christians and good Bible students, we only pick out half Scriptures. He is not here. He's risen. But we left out the the back half of that. He said, remember, this should not have taken you. He talked about this. Jesus talked about death. Jesus talked about his resurrection. Jesus constantly talked about going to his Father. They wasn't listening. They wasn't hearing that part. All they wanted to do is see miracles and signs and wonders, fluff and goosebumps. I'm telling you, this, all this is going to come to an end one day. It's all good. Some of us, that's over 60. If you're over 60, raise your hand. My God, I got an old church. I mean, <laughs> you look back in a rearview mirror and where did time go? Where'd he go? James was right. It's like a vapor. It's gone. And I will tell you that, that every day of my life, the mile marker says that heaven has never been any closer than it is today. But, but we have to understand this, this death, by definition of the Scriptures, it means being separated. But we're not separated. We're just separated from what? We're just separated from the body, but we're not separated from God. So he said, he told you. The angels is the one that rebuked him. He said, he talked about death. He talked about resurrection. He talked about going to his father. As a matter of fact, he says, because I live, you can live also. He talked about eternity. It, it, it's hard to talk to somebody that's carnal about spiritual things. And Jesus constantly did that. He said, hand me the salt. And he said, by the way, did you know that you're a salt in the earth? They said, we don't get it. His whole ministry was used in allegoric terms to talk about eternal things. So I'll tell you that where we're at today, that this is all going to come to an end one day. But I will tell you, it won't be an end. It may be an end for my body, but it will never be an end for my spirit. That's what I want you to understand because Jesus was the pattern of this. So there's a scripture that I want to read. It's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 through 8. And this is the message Bible. Some people don't like the message Bible, just get over it. I like it. <laughs> Somebody said, which version is the best? I don't care. Pick one. Just read it and live up to it, whatever you want to do. So he says, for instance, that we know that when these bodies of ours are taken down like tents and folded away, he's talking about death, they will be replaced by resurrection bodies in heaven. God made Not handmade. And we'll never have to relocate our tents again. And sometimes that we can hardly wait to move on. And so we carry out in frustration. We cry in frustration. So we compare what's coming. Living conditions around here seems like a stopover in an unfurnished shack. And we're tired of it. We've been given a glimpse of the real thing, our true home, and our true resurrected bodies. This doesn't sound like a guy that's afraid to die, does he? Matter of fact, he's fixing to die. The Spirit of God whets our appetite, but gives us a taste of what's ahead. He puts a little heaven in our hearts so that we'll never settle for less. So that's why we live with such good cheer. You won't see us drooping our heads and dragging our feet. Cramped conditions here don't get us down. They only remind us of the spacious living conditions that are ahead. It's what we trust in, but don't see yet that keeps us going. So do you suppose a few ruts in the road or rocks in the path are going to stop us? When the time comes, we'll be plenty ready to exchange exile for homecoming. Now the reason why this is so important is because we know the Apostle Paul that when he goes to Iconium and Lystra, we know that he goes into the city of Derby and and they bust him in the head with a rock and he dies. We know that. We know he dies, and we know that because in Second Corinthians chapter number 13, he deals with this. He goes to the third heavens, and he said, I see things, and I saw things, and I heard things that I cannot repeat. They bust him in the head. The reason why we know this is because the Bible says, and the disciples that were with him, this is Acts chapter 21, and supposing he was dead, the word supposing is a Greek word for nomizo, it means reckon his law, and The idea was Luke, that was one of his disciples, was a physical physician. Luke was the doctor. And when they busted Paul in the head, he fell over graveyard dead and the doctor pronounced him dead. The word supposing doesn't mean I think he is. The word supposing is he's gone. He's left the planet. They pronounced him dead. And the Apostle Paul, if you'll read Galatians, if you'll read here in Corinthians 13, he'll tell you that he, he takes this journey to the third heavens and he said, man, I saw some things. I heard some things. I heard some things I can't even, I can't even put into the English language or the Latin language, but I will tell you what, that it will never escape. And it burned in my heart and I will spend the rest of my life telling you that this life will have an end but I'll tell you when this life ends it doesn't end. The body may end but the spirit will go on. Paul said I'm confident because I've seen it with my own eyes. So this is a man that's not just writing poetry to encourage you. This is a man that's writing an autobiography of himself of where he's been and what's occurred in his life and that's why he's here to tell you. This is why he says In Corinthians 15, he says, Oh death, where's your sting? Oh grave, where's your victory? He's telling you that God has removed the stinger from the thing and God has removed the victory from the grave. He has triumphed over all these things. So unfortunately in the last 30-something years that I've buried a few in this church and I've always said this, One day you'll bury me. But make no mistake about it. My body remains may be here, but the moment I take my last breath here, I take my first breath in God's presence. You don't have to, you don't have to make up stuff. You can say, I know for a fact the boy knew where he was going. So, so where do we go and what happens when we die as Christians? And here's the answer that a wise man, in Ecclesiastes, tells us. Simple. Where do we go after death as a believer? Where do we go? Number one, that our body, is, this is what the Scripture says, Ecclesiastes, Chapter number 12, verse 6 and 7. Life is lovely while it lasts. It's soon over. Life as we know it, precious and beautiful, it will end. But the body is put back into the same ground where it came from, and the Spirit returns to God who first breathed it. Now, this is very important. This This is Christianity 101. I am your teacher. My name is Papa Jody. We're all going to die. We're all going to die. Don't be so excited about that. I'm like the Apostle Paul, these cramped living conditions and all this stuff. I'm telling you, that the reason why I'm happy today is because he said in the Scripture, he put a little heaven in my heart. He put His thumbprint upon my heart that never be duplicated. And I'll tell you what, you've heard me say this a thousand times, but in all creation, that He spoke the animals and the seas and the mountains and the grass, He spoke them into creation until it come to man. He did not speak man into creation, He touched him. And we've longed to be touched by God ever since. Just hearing about God's Word is not enough. Just hearing about it what, is, what really captivates our heart is when he touches us. Where do we go when we die? It's very simple. It says here, number one, the, the body, it goes back to the ground where it came from. Adama, which is a word for Adam. Adama means red dirt. Adam means dirt. So we know for a fact in Genesis Chapter 2, he said that God reached down into the dirt or used the word dust. He reached down there and, and 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 he does this and does that, and all of a sudden the Adam comes out. And when the man is formed, he said, Adam or Dom or Dhamma, he said, You are formed out of dirt. So when we die, our body goes back to the ground. But our spirit goes back to God. Where it came from. So, is anybody here besides me understand the Bible says that when he formed Adam, that he made him, and and, and he was nothing more than a statue and a silhouette until God breathed in him. And then when God breathed in him, Adam inhaled God's exhale and nothing has changed. We still need to inhale God's exhale for life. As believers, if you're not a believer, you can, you can inhale all that other stuff that you want to, but it's not producing life. So evidently when we become born again and we accepted Jesus as the Lord and Savior, God breathe into us and we, we go from a dichotomy of emotions and body to the trichotomy which is body, soul, and now God's Spirit lives in us. That's that little bit of heaven. So, when we die, or when death occurs, the body goes back to the ground where it came from, but the spirit goes back to God where it came from. And I've always said this, and I told this to Neil because it's still fresh. And I'll give you a little story about my dad. But there are are three words in the Hebrew Bible for one word. The word ruach, the word ruach, the word ruach is used for spirit, wind, and breath. It's the same word, but in the English, it's used three different ways. But it's all God's wind, it's all God's breath, and it's all God's spirit. So when it says in Genesis chapter 1 that the spirit hovered, that's that's the breath of God. That's the wind of God. When it says it caused the breeze of the east to come and drive the locusts, that was the breath of God going. And when God breathed into Adam, it's called Ruach. God put his spirit into Adam. And Adam become a living soul. This is the difference between dead works religion and being born again, housing the life of God. I got him in me. I'm sorry that you have to look at this ugly shell, but he's in me. It's a lot better looking spirit, man, than it is on the outside. And I apologize for that. But if you can see me one day when I take off this earthly body, you go, wow, I didn't know you were that good looking. I think that's the 30 minutes of silence in heaven. We're going to be shocked. So when someone dies and their body goes to the ground and deal especially the day after the next day you're walking in the backyard and you feel something you feel this breeze and the first thing you're going to say is it's God well that's that's half true right but it's that one you just buried because that one you just buried her spirit is alive with God and she's as much God as she was in an earthly body. And what you're feeling is, is she's touching you and she's breathing on the back of your neck and telling you less. I'm with God. I'm fine. So, it's October 13th, October 14th, my father died, 2013. It was funny that I w- I would always go r- was raised in church, and my and my my dad was a good guy. Everybody called him Bus, called him a lot of things, but not behind his back they called him some things. But he's a pretty good guy. He he loved he loved he he loved Christian values and principles and. And I learned to love him once I kind of got older and understood that he was smarter than I gave him credit. While I was in high school, we've all experienced that. And so they moved into the veterans' home. He was a World War II tank driver in, in Morocco and North Africa, and he'd come play the guitar a little bit. I don't know what he was playing. He was playing something. I just let him go. He was having a good time over there. So one Sunday, I took him home and took him back to the Green Game, a hamburger, and. And he always said about where maybe Daniel or where Mary sets, and 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 I said, Dad, I'll I'll pick you up Wednesday. And he looked at me and he said, uh, he said, I want you to know that I've enjoyed being your father. And he was healthy. You know, and I said, "Well, dad, I, you know, I've enjoyed it, you know. You're a good guy. I'll see you Sunday." And he said, "My days in the sun is over." And I said, "Oh, dad, my goodness. You just got a pacemaker put in a couple weeks ago. You're good to go." He died within 3 or 4 days. I don't know how he knew it, but he knew it. So, he died on a Monday, and we buried him on a Wednesday. And that Thursday, I was part of Walk to mass. I was one of the clergy's. So we buried him here on a Wednesday, and I went to a men's retreat the next day. And man, you talk about somebody full of emotions. Oh my gosh. I didn't have enough fingers to stop the dam from leaking. And so Thursday afternoon, for some of you know that I was going back and forth and cutting across, and it doesn't matter. Some of you don't, you ain't got a clue, but it's, it's on Latexoma. Texoma. It's down there in the middle of nowhere. You hear banjos playing every once in a while. It's so far down there. And I was still, I, I, knew, I knew my Father was in heaven. There was no doubt my Father was in heaven. But the realization that he's gone, you know, it was still raw to me, still, still real to me. And here I was in charge of these 60 men and trying to lead them into a spiritual discipleship and for three days, and that's like kind of like directing children's church sometimes. And, and I just had a whole lot going on. And I was walking from about from here to Clean Co cutting through the woods. And I was just, you know, I was just thinking about dad. And all of a sudden, I come across something right in this pathway. It was laying right there in a the pathway. Just like this. I've done nothing to it. And I've had it for years in my office. If you go in my office, you'll see this thing. So here's the story. I'm 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 causing the lake level to rise, you understand? Because I'm still missing my dad. And I look down and I see this thing. And I wipe it off. And the Holy Spirit told me, He said, your father is like this turtle. He's moved on. His shell is still here, but he's gone. Now I'm not for sure where this little fella is, but... But I told Brother Neal on the way to the hospital that day. I, I, I showed him this turtle shell. And I said, I told him the story. I said, her shell's here, but she's gone. She's moved on. She's went to another dimension, another place. She's went to a place that God prepared for her before she was even born. And here's a statement that I want you to remember that when you were born, that everyone around you was laughing and you were crying, but live your life so when you die, you're laughing and everyone else is crying. Jesus has risen. Jesus has risen. Jesus has risen from the dead. And I'll assure you, just like Mr. Turtle here. The shell may be here, but I will tell you, our spirit will go to be where God is because that's where our spirit came from in the first place. So this morning, we settled the issue of where we go. The body goes back to the ground where it came from, and the spirit goes back to God where it came from. And I want you to know this is going to be hard for you, some of you to understand because you're still young, but the older we get, heaven sounds sweeter every day. Robin waits. Mamie waits. Tom waits. Jerry, your mother and dad, waits. We have loved ones that waits, rooting and applauding. They're waiting. And we too, we too will be with Him one day. So Father, the good news is this morning is that Your Word has taught us to extract fear. There's no doubt about it, the people that we have buried, the people that we love, the people that we built our hopes and dreams around, that even though that they may have been separated their body from this earth, but the boy, their spirit is with you today. All because of what Jesus has done. Your word says that Jesus said that I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way, the odos. I am a finished road that's safe for travel. Thank you for that. Your word declares in St. John chapter 1, he said the Son of Man you will see before death. Angels ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. As they escort you from earth to heaven and open up this road in this passageway that we too can call heaven our home. So, Father, I pray this morning that if there's anyone in this place that's never really made that commitment, that they'll make it today right where they are. That they want to make eternity heaven their home. It's a hard issue. Let that be resolved today. And for we that are veterans and we are seasoned Christians that we have been serving you and following you but we feel exactly like the Apostle Paul that we're so tired of this fold up tents that we have a home that has foundations. And we've got a glimpse of it because you put a little bit of heaven in our heart and you are real. And this is not a make-believe story because Jesus lives in us. And I just pray that that we surrender to your word this morning. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the burial. Thank you for the resurrection. And thank you for the hope that we have, that we can be with you throughout all eternity. In Jesus' name. And all the people of God say amen. amen. And he knows that Jesus is alive and well. Stand with me this morning. Give the Lord a praise offering, would you? So the next time that you go in the backyard and you feel the wind blowing and you feel the breeze blowing and you feel something that's so close to you that goosebumps begin to rest upon your skin and and the first thing that you're going to think of that will, it's the Holy Spirit. Well, that's, that's half right. But it's someone that you buried that you loved. It's someone that you've loved so much that you know for a fact that has meant to be with God and there's just a reminder. This is why he says that we've been surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses and this person that you've loved and, and shared your life with that just because they left this earth but they're still alive and well as God's Spirit and they're just touching you, reminding you Heaven's real. Eternity is real. Life is worth living, but the afterlife cannot even be expressed. So this morning, I want to make you fully aware of what's going on, that you're being surrounded by people and individuals that have already gone before you, that's just breathing upon you, reminding you. That they're all right, they're fully alive. Here at this church, we celebrate Holy Communion every week, every week. In the church that I was raised in, that was a very terrifying thing because they taught you to examine yourself, and if you had any Fs on your report card, that if you ever took communion with an F on your report card, you was bringing damnation upon yourself. But as some of you have been here, you know that I figured that out to be wrong. The Bible says, don't let a man take communion unworthily. It's a word called inaxios. In the Greek, it means in your own worth. Never take communion in your own worth. There's only one who's worthy. And that's King Jesus. Communion is the, is the same as He upon the cross. Just come. Just come. Don't come in your works of righteousness. Just come. The thief on the cross, just come. I have nothing to offer. I have nothing to bring. I have nothing. But just remember me. And He said, I will. That dreadful night, Jesus gathered His disciples at the last supper and he lifted up the bread and he said for 1500 years you've been celebrating this ordinance of the unleavened bread it's the bread of haste it's the bread that had no leaven which represents sin but he said now then this bread has new meaning I am the bread of life I am the bread of life that has no sin and as often as you take this bread remember me He took the bread and he broke it. Jesus became broken for for our broken lives and our broken hearts and our, our brokenness. Then he took the cup, which was the third cup, the cup of redemption. And he said, for 1,500 years, you've been celebrating the lamb's sacrificial blood that was sprinkled upon the doorpost in the shape of a cross. But he said, now I am the New Testament lamb and my blood will be poured out and sprinkled in the shape of a cross that when the death angel comes, it'll pass over you. And as often as you take this bread and drink of this cup, you will remember me. Father, thank you for forgiveness of sins. Thank you for the righteousness that comes with it. But Thank you for the shed blood of Jesus. That's what it's all about. Thank you for this dress rehearsal As you're getting us ready for another dimension, we have another home prepared for us, a city that has foundations. Our hearts will never weep. No more sickness, no more sorrow, no more sadness is allowed there. So you're preparing us today. And thank you for putting a little heaven in my heart. Thank you for bringing a turtle shell my way to remind me that when this life is over, I just go on. So bless this cup, bless this bread, and all that we receive it will find eternal life. In Jesus' name. Amen.